Hi, it's Marco here. Just before we get started with this episode, I wanted to let you know that this episode is available on our YouTube channel as a video podcast as well. So you can see not only myself and Tarek, but this week's brilliant guest. So head on over there. We've put a link in the podcast description and you can watch this episode as well as listen to it. So why not do that and uh, give us a follow while you're there? That would be great. But now we'll get straight into the episode. Hi, welcome to episode 138 of Page One, the Writers Podcast. I'm Tarek. And I'm Marco, and thanks for joining us on the podcast where we like to speak to writers of all kinds about their writing journeys, find out how they got into the industry, and try and get as many hints and tips as possible. And uh, this is one of a special series of episodes where we're looking behind the curtain in the publishing industry, speaking yeah. to editors, speaking to agents, speaking to even Hollywood managers to try and find out how to attract these people once you've written that brilliant manuscript. And uh, we've spoken to a couple of commissioning editors in the past couple of episodes, so please do check those out. But today we're speaking to a different kind of editor, a developmental editor. Yeah, Dave, David Downing is a developmental editor. So he's the kind of guy who comes in, once your book's been picked up by a publisher, what's the process there? There's an editing process that your book will go through, and he's someone who will come in and look at your story and say, where's the... Where's the uh, cliches? Where's the? How can we how can we speed this bit up? Get yeah. to the point more quickly. Yeah. So it, it's a really interesting chat, and actually he worked with you. Yeah, David's a really good editor, and I've worked with him a number of times on my books, and he is a great guy. At really finding what your story needs and pulling out the little minutia of details where maybe the plot's falling a little bit flat, where it needs to punch up a little bit, and he's having that overview of your book when you're so close to it is a really invaluable tool. Yeah, yeah. It's always it's something that everyone struggles with. So yeah. having another set of eyes. Oh, totally. Someone that's a professional at it obviously helps massively. Yeah. Um, he he does do it privately as well as for um, yeah. uh, the, the publishing houses as well. So we'll put a link to his services as well in the podcast description. But we hope you find it a useful episode. We'll get straight to the interview with David now. So on with the podcast. The Blank Page. To some, it's terrifying, an obstacle to overcome. But we prefer to think of it as an opportunity, a blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures and characters in our head. So how to overcome that fear? Well, we all know the best advice for a writer is, write. Seriously, get words on the page and more will follow. But what about later, when you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? What was she carrying? And where did she leave the MacGuffin that she now really needs in the third act? Think about all those top thrillers you like to read. Or that amazing drama you just watched. What did they all have in common? Structure and planning. As aspiring writers ourselves, we've tried many different methods to try and organise all the thoughts about the stories we want to tell. We've been there searching for a piece of scrap paper to note something down, or making a quick note on our phone in between meetings. Or sometimes we'll make a note in whatever notebook we're carrying or a document on our laptop so we don't forget that great idea. Let's be honest, it can all be a bit messy and it's easy to lose track of everything. And that's when we realise it's not just the story that needs structure and planning, but the way we gather all of our thoughts about it as well. And so we made page one. Page one is more than just another notebook. It's a place to put down all your ideas for your latest project divided into easy-to-use sections that will help you plan your story so that when that blank page comes calling, you're ready to answer. And then afterwards, once it's written, we realised you need to plan how to let people read it, so we included a section relating to submissions. Each one is designed for one project, whether you want to write a book, a screenplay, a comic or any other kind of story. We truly believe that when you use it, it will help you get to the main event, writing your story. So we hope this helps. We can't wait to read what you come up with. And remember... Every story starts with page one. So if, if this was one of our normal podcasts, then what I would say is, did you always want to be a writer? But I mean, yeah. did you always, or, or, <laughs> or, or how did you come into being a, a, a developmental editor? Yeah, I uh, <clears throat> came into it through writing. And, you know, so I've always, you know, I, started writing fiction when I was probably 12 years old and, and uh, <clears throat> went at it pretty hard. I started out in journalism in, in college and, and I was 
just a terrible journalistic writer. Uh, you know, I couldn't write about things that I wasn't excited by and interested in. And I, and, and you could tell. Uh, and so I switched, became a, an English literature major, uh, did that. Uh, it's got my undergraduate degree and then just went off and knocked around and worked in libraries and, uh, um, yeah, mainly, mainly that. And then I, uh, after about 10 years or eight years, I, uh, applied to graduate school and MFA program at university of Washington, um, and, uh, went through that, uh, and, uh, as part of that, I was able to teach undergrads, uh, started out teaching them, um, you know, composition courses to help offset my tuition. And, and, uh, and then I started teaching in university of Washington extension. So nighttime courses to adults, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the one of them got sick or, or quit or whatever. And so I like with no notice, I got thrown into teaching night, you know, nighttime courses and really liked that um a lot you know the people are really choose to be there yeah. and they're grown-ups and uh <laughs> and you know and, and i really i most like teaching introduction to literary fiction writing was my thing because i mean i could certainly tell people how to start uh you know going about being a writer and and uh so i appreciated that mindset you know and while I was there, I, uh, I continued on doing that. And then they, that was just when distance learning was starting. And uh, so I developed the distance learning version <clears throat> of, you know, and that was all online um, of that course. And I taught that for like four, four or five years and found I liked that even more because uh, I didn't have the, it's not stage fright exactly, but, you know, I was also working a day job yeah. uh, during those days. And then I'd go teach at night. And if I was kind of burnt out, the class didn't go, you know, it's mm -hmm. all, it's gotta, you know, people feel your weakness. And, uh, <laughs> and so, but if it was all online, I loved it. And, you know, I could be or, you know, go over it until it was closer to my best self. And uh, so I did that for those years. Uh, and then we had a child, gave that up, became just a corporate writer for several years, like a marketing writer, uh, a man named Terry Goodman at Amazon Publishing. He had been charged with starting Amazon publishing, essentially, uh, or a large portion of it. And, and uh, so he knew that I had this teaching background. And they, in the beginning, they were their charge was to get big fast. Um, and so they bought a lot of books and uh, moved them through the pipeline. And they uh, overtaxed their store of contract developmental editors and and that's what i am uh independent and so he uh, you know do you want to give this a try and i said hell yeah that sounds perfect uh and so that was around 2010 and uh i've been doing that you know i kind of did that and microsoft for a year and then made the jump entirely to being a contract developmental editor and i've been doing that ever since so it's like 300 books since that time wow. the early years it was like they say the fire hose of books coming at me uh, which was a really good learning experience for me um uh, and uh so yeah that's my story how i got here so i mean that that's quite 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 a journey there uh, to get where you are now and and where you are right now is would you describe it as kind of fiction editing or yeah, mental editing. I mean, what what exactly what exactly does your job entail? I suppose. Yeah, uh, I, I you know I just love my job. 
uh, and, <laughs> and I feel really lucky to be able to to say that and and uh, for lots of reasons uh, uh, basically yeah I'm a developmental editor of fiction what has what came my way early on was a lot of crime fiction uh, mystery suspense stuff uh, and then at the time they were calling it, you know, well, they're like Oprah books, they hoped. <laughs> right. Uh, and so, uh, and, and I loved going back and forth between the two, get a change of pace. And, you know, and, and I also did what they called and they still, maybe they don't, you know, they call it women's fiction, uh, which I like, <laughs> you know, there's actual, <laughs> there's no, there's no bloodshed. There's no explosions. Uh, there's just, uh, you know, it's the stuff I like to write about are, you know, kind of regular people having trouble with their families and their loved ones and uh, life in general. And so, uh, and then I got into historical fiction uh, again through Amazon. And then all along I've supplemented and, and I need to supplement my work with independent authors. Uh, and they come to me through my website and uh, or referrals from authors that I've worked with. Uh, um, and, and those books are all over the place. Uh, every kind of, of book and you know, every level of experience and talent, um, you know, and... Uh, my uh, my work with all those years of teaching introduction to fiction writing uh, served me well. I'm not a I don't know if Tarek would agree with this, but I you know I'm not a I'm not a scorched earth kind of yeah. editor. You know I, I'm I like to have it feel like a collaboration, and you know we have six weeks or whatever you know eight weeks or whatever it is to improve this book as much as we can. And so from me, you will get every thought that occurs to me, whether you, you know, you just get sick of my voice in the call, you know, in the margin. Uh, and, uh, and then I also wander into the text, have track changes on. And, uh, you know, from the, at the very beginning, I mean, I only knew how to do it as either a, a writer, like in a writing group yeah. or a teacher, you know, uh, instructor. And so I would get right into the text. That's kind of what I need to do and to, to sort of demonstrate, well, it seems to me you might want to try something like this. And I was really worried early on that uh, I was being really presumptuous and I still worry about that constantly you know that I'm not I'm not waiting in to tell you this is what you did wrong and this is the way to do it you know mm -hmm. I am really trying rather than trying to laboriously explain myself in the margin or in the editorial letter I say look this I'll, I'll go ahead and demonstrate it and say you know this is you might want to try this and uh so that is what people get from me. Basically, I am one more reader, and here is another reader's close response, really engaged, focused response. And so here's your access to another reader's thought processes while they're reading your work. And I know that as a, as a writer, that would be, I would love that, you know, because who knows what goes on in reader's when you when you first get a, a a new project a new manuscript are you do you read it over in a, in full first to get a few right. to understand it and then go back through and start making right. the edits or how does I, it work? I do but so, so i'm a part of what's the northwest literary no i'm not the northwest editors guild right. here in seattle and it's like 300 editors and and i went to a uh uh conference of theirs and there's a panel discussion of developmental editors and uh so like five people up there and there wasn't one of those five that first read it all the way through uh and then began weighing in on it you know and uh and i was stunned 
So, so one thing I will tell authors is that there's just an incredible, there's not a single developmental editor's way, yeah. uh, you know, and, and so I am just pretty chatty and I like to, uh, and, and I, you know, I'm not just, I'm not feigning it or anything, but I really do always find stuff to be excited about because it's always there. And, and, uh, and there are things being done right in the text. And I just kind of reflexively point that out and say, this is great, you know, and, and, and not just to be nice, but also 30 pages on, you'll come to a point that's, you know, it's really not working. And then I can say, you know, back on page 28, remember that bit where you did this and so, uh, something like that will work here. And that is, seems to me a much better way to, to, you know, or at least that's a comfortable way. You know, I don't want to be giving people bad news in sort of clipped fashion all day long Mm -hmm. that, you know, I would rather just go have a desk job than, than do that. I guess I still have a desk job. Right. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, but, but, but from my hourly rate, point of view uh i you know sometimes wish i were one of i mean there's a lot of really highly regarded developmental editors who don't do line editing as part of their gig and don't make very many comments in the margin and they're able to read it uh and craft uh an editorial letter that writers are find really helpful and and you know and i'm just i don't know what i think about a book until i've gone through that exercise i read it once purely as a reader Mm. no notes Mm -hmm. no nothing and then that my sort of reader's perspective stays in my head then uh then i go back and then i read and then they get every thought that I have and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going on and on in the margins and all this and get to the end. And then I go and fashion my editorial letter from, you know, using those comments in the margins. And by the end of the letter, I know what I think about the book, (laughs) you know, but, but I'm not someone who can diagnose it and confidently give a, a, uh, that diagnosis and walk away. I don't, mm. you know, I wish I could cause they make good coin. <laughs> I would assume, <laughs> you know, so. Uh, and, anyway. and when you're, when you're looking through something and you're reading uh, a book, you know, and how do you know what needs fixing and, 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 and how do you know what the fix is? Is that something <clears> which is just kind of instinctual or is it just practice or is it sometimes, is it very obvious? And so, or sometimes are you, are you kind of stumped by how to fix something? Yeah. You know, when I'm sitting down to that, you know, by the time I've read it through once and then I'm start, I'm involved in the nuts and bolts of it. I got to say, maybe this is, I don't like saying it, but, but I do, you know, it is, I, I, it's my project in my head. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, well, you know, what might make this work better, you know, or, or, you know, I've already identified where my attention was wandering or where I was unconvinced or whatever it is. Uh, and so how would I, why is it, why is that happening? And then I kind of go at it. Do, do, do you ever have, because I suppose that there's a difference as potentially I'm thinking anyway, between the writers that come to you through your website and, and get you to do a work on their book because they're sort of, volunteering for that process in a way right whereas someone that's coming via a publisher um although they are volunteering in a different way they're, they're perhaps i don't know are some writers more protective of their sure. work uh that's one reason that i love working with uh commercial fiction genre fiction uh particularly you know the the mystery suspense writers that I've worked with are, are they're just a hardworking crew mm-hmm. and uh, any help they can get is great. 
because they are imagining the first the the next project they are writing one project they're rewriting the other one they're publicizing the one yeah. ahead of that mm -hmm. and so it's moving and if they and you want to have a career it seems like you got to keep slogging at that and and so uh they don't you know when i and and i do work with people on literary fiction and it's great but you know it's their heart's blood <laughs> you know and here they are opening up and they're trying to find the truth of human the human condition and, and you know and and sort of stake in there when you write it on the page and you go well all right this is how i see the world yeah. and you know it's powerful it's it's heavily freighted stuff um uh i was at another conference and, and so i was the uh the you know of editors and and uh, so i was the representative of mystery fiction uh you know crime fiction editors and the woman next to me was she specialized in literary fiction and so she went first and she and there were like four uh, you know all different genres and it was fascinating but it got to her and she was saying oh you know i really am my i'm the psychologist or or pastor to the you know and they come yeah. to me in tears all the time and they and we work through their issues and and i get all involved you know and i and so i sit there and uh she finally finishes it and then it goes to me and I said, well, you know, I just realized that that is why I very much love crime fiction or genre <laughs> fiction because, you know, there, I don't know, you guys, you don't know baseball, but there's this Tom Hanks movie. Uh, what's the one where really... he's, what? Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. yeah. So that, you know, there's no crying in baseball, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, and I, and so that was the quote I gave them that, you know, there's, there's no crying in genre fiction, you know, <laughs> these people, yes, they care and it's their craft and they have their opinions, but, and, you know, and that's part of the reason I say so often, and I feel compelled to say so often, I'm just another guy with an opinion. Uh, I'm another reader and for whatever good that, and even with, uh, when I'm working with, uh, publishers, you know, really push for that. If you've seen me, you know, if I've gone into the text and made changes, if you look at it and that doesn't make sense to you, just hit delete. I'm not going to argue with you about it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to place that perspective in your mind. And if there's something you want to do with it, great. Otherwise, by all means, hit uh, reject. And in a comment, once you've kind of sucked my wisdom out of that comment you know we don't need to have a conversation in there arguing that point unless you really want to and and it's important to the book by all means yeah we do but otherwise you know you don't have to defend your choice to me or whatever i've done my job giving it to you yeah. you know and then so just delete that comment too so is there um are there common things are there common mistakes or errors that you see a lot of authors send you send you that you can have you know that you routinely have to say this is a bad way of phrasing something or this is a clumsy oh, wow. opening or something is there kind of stuff that you kind of think you, you you just want to say this is this is this is a better way of doing something you know sure uh it really just depends on you know what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are and and you know and the fact is maybe more i don't i was going to say maybe more so uh with literary fiction but i don't believe so i mean i think you kind of have to teach yourself how to write each book uh you know it doesn't necessarily get all that much easier i mean maybe it does you know you're making choices that are more inclined to work out as you go along and put your experience to work. But, uh, you know, even experienced authors, you know, like feeling you have to warm up to something, uh, and, and load yeah. in that backstory. Well, you know, that is all really essential stuff 
for you, you know, thinking for you to have done and to learn about your characters and to, and their histories. And, and, you know, this is in my own writing. I do this constantly where, you know, okay, that doesn't really, you know, that, that can be the iceberg stuff and yeah. ought to be the iceberg stuff. Yes. And it's so hard because you've worked it out. And that is, you know, that's what really makes these people tick, but. I know and because, uh, when, when you're close to it as well, I think you, certainly I can, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I often think, but if I take this out, how will any yeah. of that come through? They won't yeah. understand yeah. that. So, yeah, but then often you do a, take it out and it does work, but it's, it, right. it's, there's a mental block there, definitely. Yeah, say. and and that is actually uh, there's a uh, really common thing, like in, independent authors, but even ones that have already been chosen for publication, and I'm working, you know, the publisher's paying me. What uh, oh, God, I was, I just dropped into a hole there. What were we talking about? The uh, about the iceberg thing and the the main right, yeah. Oh, stuff out. trust, yeah. Like learning to when, which is most of the time, to trust the reader, yeah, yeah, to figure something out, and uh, and you know, uh, you know, at a really fine level, as an example, you know, putting dialogue tags in, you know, she said sarcastically, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. or you know, if the sarcasm's not evident, uh, and it it probably is, I mean, but if it isn't it probably needs a little tweaking and, you know, the, the timing of the scene needs a little tweaking to make, you know, make it clear that, that, you know, and, and that gets expanded out. And so a lot of that backstory, uh, yeah, again, that's just such, it's so hard to know how, how to, and when to put that stuff in there. And it's usually not interrupting, the flow i mean yeah. and even if you're writing literary fiction or or whatever people want movement uh it's not necessarily you know a gunfight or action but they want the character you know your point of view characters there has to be movement in his head where you know she's making a change in or or whatever you know, and and there needs to be or a movement in the positions of characters in a in a scene, yeah. uh, and so one is in the in the power position and the other is kind of scrambling, but then oh no, now this has been you know, and so that that counts definitely as as movement. Some of the most some of the you know it looks forbidding on the page the densest literary fiction for me, once I get into it and get past that crap, I don't want to read this. Uh, Once I get in there and sort of all the action in that character's mind does serve that function of, you know, there's, there's electricity here Mm -hmm. or whatever. So, but yes, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, do do you ever, have you ever encountered something where you've been sent something and you just can't think of the way to make the story work. Right. Uh, when, like early, fairly early on, I got a, and this was through a publisher. Uh, uh, this woman had self-published a, a, a book or two and they did really well. And this was back in the early days of self-publishing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, so the publisher picked her up and rightly so. I mean, she's selling a cabillion books. And, and uh, so I got the manuscript and, uh, you know, I was still coming at it from the literary fiction sort of thing. But anyway, got the book and it was, uh, you know, I've never read a Dan Brown book, uh, but it was in the Dan Brown mode, yeah. I'm told. And, and so just, you know, I, I was questioning, you know, I'm saying, well, I, I don't think that a helicopter can go like this and go <laughs> between the buildings. And, and, and so I, you know, and so I'm questioning all those things and, and all the way through, and it was exhausting and talk about a poor hourly rate. Cause you know, I, I tend to get paid by the project crap. And, and so, and I, and so I worked it all the way through 
and sent off the edit and uh, almost never happens. The uh, author got my phone number from the acquisition <laughs> editor and, and called me up and, uh, and she was actually great. She, she said, uh, David, I got your, you know, I got your, uh, your, the manuscript, the, and, and, uh, the revisions says, I, I'm going to tell you, you know, I'm going to just sort of accept all of the language stuff. And, uh, for the rest, you know, I'm going to kind of, you're, you're going to see, I'm, I'm not going to be making any of those changes or, 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 you know, and says, uh, and, and then she goes, so you think it's pretty stupid, don't you? <laughs> and I went, Oh, Oh no, no, it's not stupid. It's David, David. My fans love stupid was her quote. And, uh, and that opened a door. I mean, there's, I've run into a lot of authors who they very, they know their public very well. Yeah. And they serve up exactly. And if they don't, uh, they don't keep those fans, you know? And, yeah. and so, but, but to me, I, I'm sure there was just a long silence. <laughs> you know, I, that my, my fans love stupid. So, yeah. So, so a lot of times I will choose a, uh, you know, four or five things that are sort of the big rocks in the stream yeah. that, you know, well, if you got rid of, if you're able to do this and this and not do that one thing, all of a sudden you've raised your game up to here and that's good work, you know, that, that and, and also to really give them a total breakdown of every, you know, for one thing, it'd be exhausting for me and they wouldn't want to pay my, uh, pay me to do it. And, uh, and it would be so discouraging to get from them and, and would be counterproductive, mm, yeah. you know? So you got to kind of take it in bites as well. Like, uh, and, and when it's, when it's a publishing house, a publisher giving you um, an author's manuscript, yeah. how, how long do you typically have and how many passes between you know does the ball pass between you and the author a bit before it then moves on to that next stage yeah uh you know in my experience uh it's still it's a pretty tight schedule mm -hmm. <laughs> you know for me it's 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 uh it would be daunting and and again uh i think uh it helps to be working in in genre fiction uh a bit you know where you don't have to plumb your soul you know, you need to figure out how to get that train mm -hmm, off the mm -hmm. tracks there or whatever. But yeah, so it's like six to eight week, you know, uh, process. Uh, and that includes time for me to do my first pass reading. Then it takes me a couple of weeks, two and a half weeks, depending on, you know, some books are. Yeah dauntingly large but you know or, or have a lot of issues uh two and a half weeks or so uh to do my what i call the draft one edit and then it uh and and compose the editorial letter that goes to the author they get it for like say three weeks and they make their changes keep track changes on and they accept or reject the changes i suggested make their own changes that are then you know they're all shown so that i can uh see them in track changes get it back to me and then i have that it takes me say three days to do the draft to edit generally and so and now the goal you know because we have a finish line that is identified yeah. for us mm -hmm. uh and that's you know it's horrifying but in the, on the other hand it's awesome. Particularly early on, I'd be doing a really a very busy draft one edit and give it to the author. And I'd be going, man, I would not want to be on the receiving end of this. What would I do? And over and over again, the draft two would come back to me sooner. You know, they would have locked uh, a week off of Mm -hmm. that schedule for getting it back to me you know there's just 
It's real down. And, and a lot of the, uh, some authors are so great at, you know, I'll suggest a change or, or identify an issue or whatever. And it's just kind of a big deal. And I hope you're, uh, and, and instead of, I know if I had gotten that, I would have gone to work at that and take a, you know, couple of months to work that out and add another 25,000 words to make that work. And, and uh, these authors, it will be this elegant little adjustment here, or just because, no, you're right. I don't want readers thinking about this now. Cut. (laughs) It's gone. And, and uh, you know, and, and it's, a good thing. And I think it's usually a good thing. And even in literary fiction, you know, that, that, uh, yeah, you know, go ahead and do all that wheel spinning in your head. Absolutely. And, uh, but then think about the reader's experience mm-hmm. and what your main thrust is and having that hard deadline yeah. coming, uh, is great for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and that's why a lot of like independent authors that come to me, I serve that function for them and that's valuable in itself. Oh God, I need to turn this into this guy in March. And I am, you know, and so they, you know, it's like, I don't know if you guys have, we have this NAMO RIMO thing here. It's a national novel writing month. Uh, And the advantage of that is, you know, again, like all the literary fiction writers that I was in the MFA program with, they're just not productive writers and they think they're working really hard and they are not, they, you know, we, they are not, they're not putting their butt in the chair and finishing this and sending it off, mm-hmm. you know, get it, let it take its lumps. You get, or, you know, give it to a reader that you trust, mm-hmm. but don't just sit there and chew it and chew yeah. it and try to make it perfect. Cause you won't go into, look at the review, the reader reviews on Amazon of any book that you love that you would kill to have written and a solid, at least 30 and sometimes more percent people are just disgusted by this piece (laughs) of junk, you know? Uh, uh, So get it out there. And, you know, you might encounter an agent or an editor that, that's right in their wheelhouse. You just don't on that day, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they decide, you know what, I'm going to fight for this uh, and, and really push your, your, and, and that's never going to happen if it's just sitting on your computer. And if you are, well, I got to get this one section, right. It's driving me crazy. And so years pass and yeah. you're still not, you know, and you know, it's not all it can be. Well, yeah, but, neither is the next one that you're not writing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. easy to say all this, but uh, no, kind of have to it, say it over it's and true, over. It's, it's, it's definitely good advice. And yeah, it's something that I'm definitely guilty of as well is that you can, yeah. I mean, we often ask our, our, our author guests, how mm-hmm. do you know when it's finished? And yeah. it is, you know, often we do say it's it because I know it's finished because I've got to send it in for the deadline. Essentially. Yeah, so yeah. Got, got oh, a on, deadline's so. a great thing. I'm a yeah. big fan of it. Yeah. Without that, you yeah. as you say, you'd be tempted just to keep making it perfect until time runs right. out. Uh, well, I mean, th- th- those were the main questions we had for you, David. But, okay. Um, we we always end every podcast by asking our guests the same question. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the the first of which is, um, what was the last book that you read? Uh, that isn't that isn't one that you're reading. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, once you know, with the pandemic, uh, I finally made the move into getting uh, audio books from. Uh, yeah. Nice. yeah, and so you know, I'm gonna and I'm gonna look at my list. Oh no, I can't. Anyway, it's embarrassing because I totally. Oh, I read a book by Michael Pollan. I'm in a uh, a Scotch club that's also a lowercase book club uh, <laughs> group of guys, and and some of these guys are very well heeled, and they uh, collect Scotch, and so they invited me. So I always, you know, I bring one bottle of Scotch, put it down, and and they've brought, each brought four or five of the really great stuff. 
Uh, and so it, it was, it's one by Mo uh, Michael Pollan called uh, How to Change Your Mind. Uh, and it's about sort of what's going on and research now about using psychedelics uh, in small doses or not so small doses uh, for various reasons. And, uh, but uh, it was terrific. And it, and it wasn't, yeah, that stuff, you know, I'm too scared to do anything like LSD. What I love about that book club is that it makes me read nonfiction books. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and every, almost every time I read, uh, I found so much that went right to my project that I'm working on now that was useful you know, a lot of stuff about, uh, you know, psychology. And it's a, he's just a very amiable, articulate, knowledgeable guy and kind of humble about what he doesn't know. Mm -hmm. uh, and so all this stuff that uh, I had no, hadn't really thought of before about, about, you know, mainly it was psychological stuff that all of a sudden I was getting all these ideas from that, that I could immediately apply to either what I'm editing at the time, even, or what I'm trying to write at the time. Right. So, uh, yeah, so sorry. That was the, uh, no, cool. the last book I read. Very interesting. And what about the last film that you watched? Well, let's see. Uh, uh, we watched a film noir uh, movie the other night that's been, the the strange love of Martha Ivers uh, it stars Barbara Stanwyck it's a, a classic noir you know and my wife and I every so often we you know we have a list of and we've kept you know saved a lot of them on the DVR and so we watched that and, and uh, it is definitely worth watching and 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 it you know because we're old and uh, tired uh we watched the first half of it and and then we decided to pause it because we we're you know starting to lose it and uh but it was right at the halfway point and we realized that at first time it seemed kind of stagey and old movie-ish i mean it, you know in a bad way uh kind of obvious and, and weird but it was like kirk douglas's first movie he had a he had a secondary role but he kind of overpowered the movie as he would right and and uh and then barbara stanwick and uh elizabeth scott and so that was kind of the first half was kind of but then right at the point that we were going away i said you know that might be a good place for us to just leave it because everything was loaded then all mm -hmm. of them in opposition to each other and the ship was going to hit the fan and and we stopped and then came back the next day. And sure enough, from then on, it was just a ride to the end and a little over the top, but in a, in a, again, in a good noirish way. So I would highly recommend nice. that one too. Cool. Uh, and and uh, the last TV show that you watched or are watching? Let's see. Well, I went through the documentary of the staircase oh, and yeah. then the hbo treatment of that that story and that yeah. was kind of a kind of a workout but you know and i and i love uh watching document you know i do that a lot i read it i i watch a documentary of something and then and then i usually try to watch the the dramatized thing first and then i'll watch the documentary to see how they mm -hmm. you know all mm -hmm. the decisions they made is, yeah. that's instructive too right so uh that was fascinating yeah i really enjoyed the documentary i've not watched the drama version of it yet but it's on my list to, to watch it something uh, yeah you had to do it while the documentary yeah well it's still in, somewhat, in my head a little bit yeah yeah and some of them before they is kind of cheating to replace that dude with uh colin Firth, yeah <laughs> you know who comes in with all of his even when he's being off-putting and, and weird you still call him colin Firth, right you know <laughs> got that that charm going for him and the other guy did not have that no he never didn't, didn't quiver not. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the, the very final thing we always do is a quick fire either or 
And I always say okay. there's no right answer apart from one. So we'll start off with uh, TV or cinema. Yeah, I mean, these days, I guess it'd have to be TV. I can barely remember what cinema's like. <laughs> you know, I, I love going, you know, it, all, in a perfect world, yep. it would be cinema. Yep. Uh, but uh, can hardly remember that perfect world, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, night Owl or Early Bird? Uh, kind of disastrously both. So I stay up too late and, and get up too early. And, you know, as I'm, I mean, I'm 63 now and, and, uh, I am every once in a while I can get myself to nap, uh, during the day and, and always really glad I did, you know, if you don't, it's like a 20 minute, like a whole new day, you know, but I just can't get myself to do it very often, but yeah, yeah. it's both for me. That's fair enough. Uh, music yeah. or no music when you're editing? Or writing uh music yeah and i can't have uh pardon me i can't have works uh, i mean lyrics mm -hmm. going you know i can't or or they can be uh you know lyrics i know i don't have to pay attention to yeah you know as part of the sonic landscape or whatever but definitely i got a thing from spotify that said that i was like in the 97th percentile of like uh, that's how much i listen to spotify and uh so and i've always stayed you know i have a good friend here in town and 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 uh, we are the old dudes at the concerts with the young yeah. people all the time and uh hey kids <laughs> <laughs> and so stayed up with new music which you know by now it's you know and and have been since high school so for me that was 76 that i graduated from high school so that's a lot of music to yeah. uh, swim through good effort uh, yeah. a fancy restaurant or takeaway uh takeaway yeah i mean i definitely like we that's sort of what we do have always done for fun but even that is go out to eat and seattle has you know yeah. a lot of good dining options. And, and that's one of the things that we love about it. Uh, but even then they, we prefer, you know, where you can get away with just yeah. wearing nice a shirt and exactly. yeah, yeah. Good, yeah. good food, but not, you know, yep. Uh, and the very last one is real book or ebook. Um, I say real book. And I often, you know, what I do now, like right now, I read this really good book about Dostoevsky because mm -hmm. I'm pretty impressive. And uh, <laughs> it's about Dostoevsky. So it's kind of a biography of him, but it's also about the writing of Crime and Punishment. And the book is also about the historical French case that sort of inspired that okay uh and so i get read really good reviews of it and it earned it was sinner and the saint is the name of the book really good super readable uh interesting book and then uh i often have done this over the years is that i'll then kind of pair that with once it starts talking about the the composition of the book then i start reading the book and so this is rereading uh crime and punishment and there's this okay. new uh, a British guy, uh, Oliver Reedy, I don't know, Reddy, Reedy, uh, has done it. And it's a very accessible, lively, if you can imagine that, translation of Crime and Punishment, where there really is, I mean, I, I read the reviews of it, you know, there really is humor. He didn't know that was in there. And, and it's a lot of really legitimately shocking, creepy stuff in there. And, uh, and so reading that, along with it and so for both those books i got the hardcover from the library i bought the hard the hardcover of the crime and punishment and and i have the audio book of it and i have the ebook from the library of all of you them just just everything just every yeah what if i'm out walking i'm moving through it if, yeah. before i go to bed at night so i don't keep my wife up yeah, i have the, the e yeah. kindle yeah. uh and so i really do 
it's now become it doesn't really and and so and that usually sometimes oh i really need the hardcover of this so i can really i've hardly opened the hardcover time after time and i'm like always reading on my phone i read it for like the edit the editing i do yeah i read <clears throat> i read everything on you know like my first reading through mm-hmm. it's on my phone yeah, and right. and the idea you know if you had told me that i would be doing that years ago. And then when I tell a lot of people that they're horrified at that, but you know, the fact is you can adjust the font size on the phone. And when you get a little paperback of a book, like the mass market ones we used to read, I can't believe we used to read yeah. those, yeah. you so know, the tiny. tiny print. Yeah. So anyway, we've often said that it would be good if books, you could buy the hardcover and you go, all the other versions with it. Yeah, I don't exactly. Just throw yeah. the ebook in with the hardcover. Yeah. It made me spend and the audio book would be amazing. Yeah. And the audio book. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's I love our library and sync up and everything. Yeah, no, it's great because you can you know almost all of them you can get uh, in different forms uh, of even pretty new stuff. So uh, yeah, so now I've become whatever the ambidextrous whatever <laughs> multimodal i don't know yeah. uh it really doesn't matter cool. for me awesome excellent well i hope you enjoyed that episode thanks very much for tuning in uh, as usual if you enjoyed it please do take the time to give us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app and make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast please also give us a follow on twitter or your other social favorite social media accounts or at uk page one and drop us a message if you want to get in touch uh, otherwise have a great week and join us next episode for another special chat with an industry insider Thank you.